A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Hannah Dunleavy, and I want to talk about booze. Alcohol has played a huge role in my life and is responsible for some of its highs and a lot of its lows. I'm interested in what role it plays in other people's lives and how things like age, race, class, sex, religion, geography, profession, health conditions, family history, good old-fashioned trial and error affect what they drink and why they drink it. I'm not here to preach to anyone. I'm certainly in no position to do that. I'm just looking for a better understanding of alcohol's role in Britain in 2019. This is The Drink. Please listen responsibly. Welcome to episode seven of The Drink. This week I'm chatting to comedian and quizzer Paul Sinner about having to make lifestyle changes because of his health, about drinking to fit in and about getting spotted by the papers while out on the lash, among many other interesting things. That is coming up any minute now. But before then, I just wanted to remind you that it's Children of Alcoholics Week. I've had a few fellow Children of Alcoholics get in touch over the past few weeks. So I know a lot of people live with it and never talk about it, which is tough. You are, of course, very welcome to talk to me. You can message me on Facebook where I am, The Drink Podcast. In truth, I can't guarantee I'll be a great deal of help. So if you do want to talk to someone, you can also consider calling the National Association for the Children of Alcoholics on 0800 358 3456. That's a free phone number, FYI. Or you can look and see if there is an Al-Anon meeting in your area. These meetings are open to anyone affected by someone else's drinking, regardless of whether that person is still drinking or not. And you can find out more at al-anonuk.org.uk. Until next time. I am here in a pub with Mr Paul Sinner. I don't know how to describe you, Paul. Comedian, quizzer. You've done it pretty well. (laughs) We are having a Diet Coke, which is... I'm glad you picked that, because I don't like ordinary Coke. I haven't had a full-fat soda drink for 12 months now. Okay, well, that seems like a good place to start. Because when I wrote a list of people that I wanted to talk to for this, you were really high up to the top because I saw your show in Edinburgh and you have had some issues with your health that have led you to rethink sort of almost everything that you do. It's not so much rethink as be forced into making decisions. Okay. I woke up with an injured shoulder in September 2017. Tried to ignore it, think it would get better didn't get better went to the gp for the first time in 20 years he did an over 40s health check on me and it found out that i had slightly high cholesterol but more seriously that i was in the diabetic range and so for the first time in my life i just started to take stock of what was going in my body and what improvements i could make to what was going into my body 
and the easiest improvement it seemed to make was to stop having full fat soda yeah. drinks because um, an abs- I was an absolute slave to the full fat Coca-Cola really? I mean specifically Coca-Cola not even any other brand it was always Coca-Cola it just gave me a comfort that diet drinks never gave me but I just thought that's where you start not least I was drinking a lot of Coke in the uh, months leading up to the diagnosis and I felt a bit stupid because I knew what I was doing. My, my dad's diabetic, my mum's a diabetic. Right. I knew that I was taking risks. Uh, and like a lot of people, like most people, I think, there was no sense of the long term in outlining my health options. Well, that sounds familiar. Because yeah. actually I had a funny turn end of last year. Turns out I had a virus. But until they identified that, they did the over 40s health check with me. And I had a couple of days of serious panic, mostly that my cholesterol would come back crazy high because I love cheese and I eat way more cheese than can ever be healthy for anyone. Yeah. Actually, they said it was all within the normal range. Well, this is where genetics comes into it quite a lot, I think, because I know people that lead far less healthy lifestyles than myself uh, who've got away with it. And the reason they got away with it is their mum and dad weren't diabetic. I've been passed on diabetic genes Uh, And I've known that for a long time, and I just chose to do literally nothing about it. So, uh, presumably, alcohol falls into that category of things that you should watch what you're... Yeah, I've been um, a drinker since I was 18, which uh, is now 31 years. And thinking back uh, on it, the the irony is that when I arrived at medical school in Tooting in 1988, a naive and reasonably confident uh, 18 year old I would say to people oh I don't, I don't get dr- I'd never I've never been drunk at, at that right. point alcohol was simply not part of my life I'd been to the pub the pubs in my area weren't very strict on checking ID and I'd, I'd been mm. to the pub but only ever really had as much, of, much as a beer before I arrived at medical school and even through an extended freshers week called freshers fortnight <laughs> I I, I kind of minded my P's and Q's yeah. a little bit, just dipping my toes in the social scene, picking up friends without having to get drunk to pick up friends. And then it became apparent. This, I mean, I'll name names. This is St George's Hospital Medical School, Tooting, South West London. It became apparent that to fit in socially and to maximise your potential of making friends you had to enjoy a drink. It really was as simple an, an equation as that. At St George's, if you didn't enjoy drinking, there was a question mark against your character. That's interesting. And this was very much uh, through both genders as well. There was no sense that men had to behave with more or less decorum than women. Yeah. Women were allowed to get drunk as much as they liked. There was no stain against their yeah. reputation. In fact, the more drunk and the more you disgraced yourself, the more of a, in inverted commas, legend <laughs> became. So George has had a thing. There was five years at the medical school, one, two, three, four, five. And years one and two, they all lived within uh, a sort of... Well, in years one, you lived in halls of residence. And in year two, when you moved out, everybody lived within a sort of one-mile radius of each other. And so friendships were really strong. The bonds were really strong, and you got to see your friends all the time. And as a result, it's not uncommon to get drunk three or four times a week to the degree that freshers and rag week didn't seem particularly like a massive extension of, of, yeah. of, of, of your normal life. And it was just a relentless part of fitting in. 
and but I, I never felt uncomfortable about it because I felt that I needed it. I I needed alcohol to fit in because not being heterosexual imbued with a degree of shyness. You were out at that point. I I, I came out in ver- at various stages. Oh, okay. And I have to say that once I once I was fully out, drinking had n- never seemed more fun. Uh, well, it, it's such a massive weight off your shoulders yeah. that you can be the person that you want to be. My first two years were characterised with uh, medical school were characterised with episodes of fairly heavy, hefty drinking, but rarely any great happiness accompanying it, because after a while the switch would come on, where you'd look around and you'd go. Nobody knows you're gay. Nobody wants to kiss you. Nobody wants to go back, back home to, to your, your your hall's residence with you. Your parents don't know you're gay. You're gay. You're gay. You're gay. Your life's going to be unhappy. All the all the all these things yeah. came mounting upon you, and you'd sit in a corner and you'd cry your eyes out, wanting some attention from your friends, and then your friends would come and chat yeah. to you. I was known as the weeper. You know, I was known. Oh. As, I was known as a weeper. I'd be one of these people that would. Um, be happy as Larry until about midnight one and then the switch would come on yeah. uh, and suddenly I was no longer enjoying my alcohol because all I could see around me were my friends getting off with each other bonding with each other doing the things that I just couldn't do because I wasn't them and I think that's a characteristic pattern with my drinking in the last 30 years because it's been 30 years now is that if you're not happy inside eventually it will come through. Alcohol is a temporary alleviator of unhappiness. Yeah. And eventually the more you drink, the more that unhappiness pushes its, pushes its way through yeah. to, the, to the forefront. It's interesting because I know two people who are doctors and I know a couple of people who are nurses and I, some of them, it went further than alcohol. They, they were quite active in messing around with, with drugs as well. Well, what was interesting is compared to other university students... Medical students aren't particularly hip. Not not only that, but uh, St George's being in Tooting, we're away from central London with its nightclubs and and, and, uh, the the drug culture inherent with nightclubs. And so I only knew of a handful of people who were smoking dope at medical school. And they were like, oh, they're hip, they're trendy, they're smoking. They were were seen with a bit of, wow, what, what are they like? Because alcohol was very much the drug of the only drug of yeah. choice. It was the, it was the, the lingua franca of the uh, intoxication scene, if you like. Yeah. It was alcohol, 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 alcohol. I mean, I assume, or I, in fact, I know junior doctors. They work really, really, really hard. So I suppose yeah. there's an element of, well, why can't I have fun while I'm not at work? Because I'm the hours that I'm not at work are quite limited compared to perhaps the hours other people aren't at work. The other thing that you've got to remember about junior doctors is you, that these are people who've waited five, six years to be earning a living wage. Yeah. They've waited a long time and they've built up a lot of debt. And suddenly, we're, I, I can still remember the first time my, my first paycheck came in and it was, a, it was my first house job, so it wasn't that much. And yet it dwarfed every aspect of my finances up to that point. Yeah. I think after tax, it came to about £1,000 or £1,200. And I just stared at it and go, oh my God, there is £1,200 in my yeah. in my bank account. And what on earth am I going to do with that? Oh, that's after tax as well. So it's all, it's all, it's all yours. Yeah. 
And so I think there is, in, the, in your first years as a junior doctor, there's a real joie de vivre. And I, I spent two years in a place called King's Lynn. I know King's Lynn. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of doctors are very attached to their first out-of-town hospital, yeah. the social scene that goes with it, the fact that the nurses and the various members of the multidisciplinary team flirt with you. There, there is an established order of things in a social scene. Yeah. Uh, and you, you're, you are, for the very first time in your life, a big fish in a small pond. People look up to you, even even as a junior, even as a junior yeah. doctor. People look up to you, and people respect you, and you have a status that you've never had before. And it's apart from the ludicrous hours that you work, the social side is is fun. And, you, and I, I remember those days really fondly. And it makes me shudder now to think of the times that I walked into a ward round at nine in the morning, and I. I'd been drunk at two in the morning, two in the morning yeah. the, the previous night, but you do sort of self-regulate because people can smell alcohol on your breath in the morning, and that is not a good look. Yeah. And so you learn to self-regulate, and, and you have to be quite physically close to people. As yes. A doctor as yeah, well, yeah, don't yeah. You? That yeah. is not that is not a good look. But yeah, I, I mean, I have to say that there are various points in my life where, I mean, I've been a quite an unhappy drunk. Certainly, the two or th- first two or three years of my medical school life, and then I, I, f- I feel that alcohol uh, for me is a tool to, to chase excitement and to chase being the person that you you don't think you can be sober. Yeah. That you don't have the guts to be sober. You want to be the guy that can charm, in my case, another guy conversation. And, and and be able to flirt with confidence and, and be engaging and you want to be that person and at George's everyone drank together we didn't drink in town it was only when I started working in King's Lynn that I realised one of the dark sides of people getting drunk was people beating each other up and punching each other and, yeah. and lashing out and fighting because when I worked in A&E in King's Lynn that was all we saw on a Friday and Saturday night uh, I, yeah, I, 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 and it was a real shock to the system because although I was I was an unhappy drunk at times, I was never an aggressive drunk. Uh, and to see the equation between drunkenness and unhappiness and uh, aggression played out again and again on a Friday Saturday night, all it was: what happened to you? Someone beat me up. What happened to you? Someone beat me up. Yeah. What happened to you? Got into a fight again and again and again. I thought. Who are these people? A couple of years ago, a friend of my brother's was working in a club about ten years ago. And he was glassed, and his mum started a campaign to get those tough plastic glasses yeah. into pubs and clubs in the city centres. And she managed to persuade whole city council to run the trial of that. Yeah. And even though, like I say, you know. Because you, if you've ever been in A&E, you know booze leads to, to lots of things in yeah. A&E. When I interview her, she told some figures that blew my mind. The NHS in Hull, that it saved a million pounds in eye surgery alone in the first year that they had plastic glasses in place. Wow. Because that was the level of injuries that were coming in. Yeah. People who, I mean, not always violent injuries, because sometimes it's people are really drunk and fall over yeah, and yeah, smash yeah. things. And yeah, Can I ask you, when you went to be a GP, mm. and presumably you saw different effects of alcohol, but sort of the effects of the long-term yeah. effects of alcohol in people, did any of that make you think, 
about what you were drinking at that point. No, I was never what I consider myself to be a dependent drinker. Yeah. And, no, and, and I certainly didn't... I can honestly look back hand on heart and say it didn't get in the yeah. way of work. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, I'm sure. I'm, I wasn't I'm suggesting not, it did. I'm, I'm not but... saying that disingenuously. I'm saying with hand on heart, yeah. I don't believe it did. People, with regards to their job, don't think in the long term. And being gay and single, I only thought about my own health. I never, I never really thought about others. Yeah. I think the acceleration of taking responsibility for your own health is very much accentuated by having children or or wife uh, and and suddenly you're not just doing it for yourself you're doing, yeah. you're doing it for others but when I was only responsible for myself I used to live a fairly responsibility free hedonistic life yeah. and, and solve, the, solve the consequences and so no no it but then I never thought that that if you measure someone simply by the units per week yeah. then I would say that I was heavy for about three years at medical school. But I wouldn't have said that there were particularly alarm bells to be raised about my drinking other than at the Edinburgh Festival. Yeah. <laughs> other than at the Edinburgh Festival oh, in any other, uh, any other times in my life. Yeah. In terms of actual units. My issue with alcohol is always acute rather than chronic. It's getting upset with my friends. My friends getting upset with me. It's me crying in the corners. It's, it, that sort of thing has been my issues with alcohol. The, what actually happens on the night. Yeah. As opposed to... Uh, Long term, yeah. And I've never, I've never touch wood. I've never had any worries about my liver. I've, n- I've never thought I'm yeah. drinking so much this could be damaging my liver. Because luckily for me, I've always had bad hangovers. If I have a big night out, I always wake up feeling absolutely awful. And the I say that smiling because I'm exactly the same. Dependency has never been on the table. It's it's, it's just never been a thing. So bearing in mind you you are leading a much more healthy lifestyle nowadays. I saw the other day you had on Twitter that you've had a personal trainer. Yeah. I presume that means you've cut down on drinking. Quite a lot of things have happened in the last 12 to 18 months. And the main thing is I'm now in a relationship with somebody who I'm going to be marrying in December. Oh, congratulations. And he's teetotal. He doesn't, is he? He doesn't drink alcohol. And so we have this weird thing where we thoroughly enjoy the madness of going out on town. Yeah. But he is there not drinking at all. But because he's there not drinking at all, I hold back. Yeah. Because I don't want to be a burden and a pain in the arse to him. Although I still drink to have fun, I don't do it as frequently as before. And on the actual nights, I don't do it as much as before. Because the last thing I want to do is him being responsible for getting me home. Yeah, I don't want to be that. Per- I don't want to be oh, that just person. Just be boring and repeating yourself and all that. Yeah, terrible yeah. Stuff I, I, you I, do I, when I, you're at the end yeah. of the day, I owe him a, a better life than that. Yeah, and so things have changed. Yeah, but the, that thing about chasing excitement, I don't think that's really gone away. What's changed now is that I'm a minor TV celebrity, and my life has changed as a result. Because, not in London, where people don't get home by five o'clock yeah. towards the chase, but it's not been unknown for me to walk into a pub and pretty much get mobbed. Uh, and I'd be dishonest if I said that I didn't enjoy it. Right. Uh, and there are certain towns and cities, particularly up north, where I go out to get drunk because I know I'm going to have a really good time. Because people are going to walk up, complete strangers are going to walk up to me, ask me for a selfie, buy me a drink be really happy that I'm in their pub club whatever yeah. and I want to enjoy the aspect of it while I still can 
because this is a, this is a totally new new thing to me. So for the last two years, I've hardly gone out drinking in London at all, outside outside of outside of po- what, what I call post quiz. Yeah, post quiz, and that's the different thing with with, with quizzing. You're there with people you know really well. Yeah. So that's that's a different thing. But in terms of dr- drinking with strangers, on New Year's Eve, I had two gigs in Liverpool. And me and Ollie, my fiancé, after the gig, we went out drinking with three three people, one of whom I'd met at another gig, and the other two I'd never met in my life. Just to chase that sort of thrill and adventure of just doing something weird. I couldn't do that, I still can't do that sober. But does that come with a sort of a double-edged sword of you might get to a point where you get so famous that you feel conscious that you couldn't be drunk in public because drunk pulls yeah. in spills out of nightclub bar? Yeah, there, there is that. Although drunk pulls in or spills out of nightclub bar, as far as I'm concerned, is no disgrace at all. No. <laughs> drunk, drunk, drunk pulls in makes a dick of himself. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying to avoid. And touch wood, I don't think, I don't think that's, that's happened. I don't know if you know this, but I, I got into the papers a couple of Januarys ago. Did a gig at Birmingham University. This would have been January 2017. The gig was was lovely, and we had a hotel in town, me and Ollie. And so we went to a gay, gay club called Nightingales, uh, and a bunch of lads who were students of the gig, who'd been at the gig, were there and invited us to a house party. And we went to the house party. Nothing happened. It was... A, it was it was a fantastic night out, just being really nice, being just the centre of attention and people just going, <laughs> just, you know. I love it that you admit to that. Oh, so yeah, many yeah. people pretend that that's not. No, no, it, 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 in moderation. I couldn't, yeah. I, couldn't have it as a, I couldn't have it as a lifestyle thing. Yeah. I'm very grateful to be living in a city like London where nobody ever really recognises you. And it's, I, that's that's great. It looks like you're yeah. friends, do they? That's great. But the next day, it was all over the online versions of the papers. Because somebody had taken a photo of me looking drunk and put it on Twitter and it just spread. Really? And I was mortified, but it was treated as a funny story rather than a story of ridicule by the, yeah. by the press. Possibly because uh, you're a man. Well, there, there is absolutely that. I mean, there's, you know, there's no doubt that there is a, there is a very s- sexist attitude. I mean, that's, that's why I was stressed in medical school. It just wasn't like that. Yeah. But yeah, possibly because I'm a man. I've, I've got no doubt about it. But I'm yeah. also aware that I'm 48, 47 when this in, 46 I think when this incident happened, and they're in their early 20s and or not or 18 or 19 or whatever, and I don't want to look like a sad old man. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm very very conscious of that. Nonetheless, I'm still at a situation where if I'm planning to get drunk after a gig anyway, and someone says we've got a house party. I'll probably go, just for shits and giggles, because yeah. I'm still somebody. I'm, I'm very much aware that this minor fame that I have is not going to last forever, or it might get more, and therefore I won't be able to go to house parties. And I just want to ride that wave. And alcohol is very much a part of that, but because of my health issues, it's more planned now. It's more. Last last January, I did a dry January, apart from. January this last year, apart from a gig in Meisteg in South Wales, where 350 people came, and they said we're going to the pub around the corner, and I just it, it would have been ludicrous to say no. Yeah. It would have been, in, in this situation, 
the idea that I could turn down the opportunity to go and have a, a drink with, with the denizens of my state. <laughs> I would feel far more unhappy about that yeah. uh, if I hadn't gone than if I had. It's, it's all sort of weigh, weighing it up. Yeah. But increasingly now, when I look at the couple of weeks where that sort of scenario doesn't play out, there is no my stick. Then I'll go, right, I'll take those two weeks to go dry and just give my body re- yeah. re- re- recovery time. I, I think the older you get, the more, like you say, it's a choice or you, you plan it. You think, OK, I'm not doing anything tomorrow. I could have a couple of drinks. I don't need to drive in the morning or whatever. Whereas I think when I was younger, it was always the point was to go out and get drunk. Yeah. And now sometimes you're like, I just I can't be bothered with that. That's or I can't afford it. Well, or, I mean, the other thing, the other thing that's changed is I'm... I'm Apart from being a touring comedian, which brings with it the, its own need to have a drink afterwards, is that I have dozens and dozens of good friends within the quizzing community, yeah. and I go to quiz events all year. Are um, they boozy? Yes. Events, yes. Yes. Boozy afterwards or boozy during? Boozy afterwards. Afterwards. Uh, we all get on. It's, it's a really close knit community. We get on like a house on fire and. Every November, there's something called the European Quizzing Championships, uh, which take place in a city somewhere in Europe. And quite a lot of us just go because it's a chance to drink in a foreign city with people we like, yeah. as opposed to take the quiz that, take the quiz that yeah. seriously. Uh, and the individual championships are on the Saturday. And at the moment, I've come to the realisation that if I'm going to spend that much money going there... I need to go sober on a Friday night to do myself justice yeah. in the individual championships on the Saturday. I'm not just going there. To, I'll, I'll, I can drink on the Saturday night. Yeah. I've never not got drunk on the Friday night. Don't get me wrong. But now, because my brain just my brain just fell apart in the most recent, and I looked at why my brain fell apart, and I thought, well, it was probably because you were drinking till three in the morning. Yeah. That, that might have had something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, and it's trying to get that balance with having fun and taking quiz seriously that's, that's quite difficult. But I'm thinking reluctantly that this year is going to be the first year that I stay sober on on the Friday. The top quizzers in the world aren't drinkers. Okay. England's three greatest ever quizzers: Kevin Ashman, Olaf Bjorton, or Pat Gibson. Kevin is a drinker, but not before events, and the other two hardly drink at all. And so I've got this thing about sticking or twisting. I'm, I'm behind them, but I'm not that far behind. Yeah. Them. And I need to work out whether my life, with my lifestyle, do I stick or twist? Yeah. Am I content to stay where I am, which is happily drinking and not making any improvements, <laughs> or do I would I like to give up alcohol a bit more? The fine British tradition of pub quizzing is that something that's replicated around Europe, or is that a very British? No, it's thing? it's very it's, it's replicated in Commonwealth countries or right. expat countries. So Australia, New Zealand, the UAE, places where there are Brits, yeah. and America, actually. But uh, quizzing culture elsewhere is very, very different. Right. Uh, the countries that take part in quizzes at the European Quizzing Championships, they don't all have a pub-based quiz yeah. culture. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The other thing that's changed is that I'm happy. Yeah, that is important, isn't it? And I, f- I feel as contented in my life as I've, as I've ever felt. The little pieces of the jigsaw sort of coming together. And so I'm an agreeable drunk. I don't get into arguments. I don't accuse people falsely of racism or homophobia. <laughs> or, or I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you how many times in the, t- in the turn of the century I'd be ruining people's evenings by taking a a comment the wrong way yeah. or or I've I've been uh, thrown out of my own birthday party and not let into my own birthday party <laughs> um, uh, on, 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 on separate occasions and that's the other, that is the other thing because my experience of drinking is all about getting drunk it's 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 not about a dependent lifestyle yeah. and I've become increasingly obsessed with pacing the idea that you could be 20, 25, 30 years into your drinking career and not have a clue how to pace yourself yeah. at all. And that's pacing, I feel, is at the, the fundamental heart of why Britain's drinking culture is so toxic yeah, in, in towns and cities, is that nobody's pacing themselves. They're encouraged to drink as much as possible, as quickly as possible. And then you, people get frustrated because they can't do the things that they really wanted to do yeah. that night. They can't go and chat to that woman because they can barely speak. They can't. You know, they can't be the Mr. Charming with their friends because they've forgotten how to be Mr. Charming. Yeah. They've got it wrong. They've, they've, thrown, they've thrown up. They've done this. They've done that because they started so quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a and, fine line between Dutch courage and then you tipped over into some somewhere. And, that, and, I, and, and I've and I feel that that's the other thing that I've improved. You know, at least 25 years too late. But but I feel that I've improved the pacing and I'm able yeah. to get agreeably drunk. Uh, it, it gets a bit troublesome when you're being mobbed by people offering you a free drink in a bar in Liverpool on a, on a night out and you, you kind of then go, yeah, I'll, I'll have that shot or I'll have yeah. that. that. And then, and then it, but I wouldn't do that on my own. I'd only do that with Oliver around. I, yeah. I'd now only do that with, Oli- with the insurance of yeah. Oliver, Oliver around me. Is that a hangover from... From the bar's going to close, do you think, perhaps? Because I can remember there'd be times where I would be in a pub when I was younger and somebody had just bought you a pint and the bell would go and you would instinctively go and get more drink because the bell gone, even though you knew well, in your heart two. you didn't have enough time to drink it. At least two drinks. Uh, uh, yeah, there is anxiety. And I think I've spoken about this in an Edinburgh show before, that too many people go out to get as drunk as possible and not enough people go out to get hit that magic moment when yeah. you're just the right level of drunk yeah that should be the aim for anybody going out drinking the aim should be to hit that magic moment yeah. the aim should not be to get as drunk as possible 
and recently I hit that magic moment and I don't I don't I don't know what it was I don't know why I think it might have been because I had a heavy meal but a cousin of mine from India came over and he had three days in London and the only night I could go out drinking with him I was gigging in Huddersfield in Yorkshire so I got him on a train to Leeds met up with him in Leeds had a big meal went down to Huddersfield to do the gig went back to Leeds met up with a really good friend of mine it was three of us on the town in Leeds and at about half past midnight I just remember going oh this is it yeah. This is this is that magic thing that I've been searching for for, yeah. for thirty years. The uh, sweet that, spot. The, the sweet spot, yeah, where you feel that you can talk to any anybody like. Where there's, well, for me, I like a, a weirdness about an evening. Something, something that you can talk about to your friends afterwards yeah. and, and go, well, this this was really funny. Or this was when I, when I was walking out of the hotel in Leeds, there was a wedding going on in the afternoon, and this really really drunk guy wanted me to say hello to his girlfriend on the phone. Several hours later, on a station in Huddersfield, the same guy was sat with his girlfriend on a bench. And I went, it's you. And he just turned to his girlfriend and went, I told you it was him. <laughs> and it was just, it was just such, it was just like, I'm just going to remember, I'm just going to remember this, this, this moment. Yeah. Not enough people are searching for that sweet spot. No. It, because it takes a different sort of planning as to how your, how your evening's going to go. And it, that planning does not involve getting as drunk as possible as quickly as yeah. possible. That's where it all goes wrong. Not enough people are taking a scientific approach to uh, yeah. how to hit that sweet spot. Your show this year that I saw in Edinburgh contained my favourite joke that I saw in Edinburgh all year, which was the joke about your dad and yeah. his heart attacks yeah. and from liking whiskey. I won't spoil it for people here who might get to see it. Yeah, you tell it, but... What I found staggering about that is that was essentially a joke about how drinking too much damages your health, and yet it was still hilariously funny. <laughs> what do you think that tells us about the sort of the drinking culture we have here? There's no long-termism. People aren't encouraged enough to think in the long term. Yeah. They're only encouraged to think in the short. And health is just one of those things that creeps up on you. It's, it, my dad has always been a drinker, not a heavy drinker. Yeah. A, like me, a social drinker. Yeah. He couldn't imagine. He couldn't imagine an unstocked whiskey cupboard. Yeah. My dad went to medical school in Calcutta, uh, came here in 1968, and his social life involves either Bengali doctors and their wives or and or husbands who were at medical school with him. Bengali doctors who were at a different medical school to him at a similar time yeah. in Calcutta, and then other Bengalis in, in South London and around. And it's, a diff- it's, it's interesting to observe a different culture. It's, yeah, we're going to get drunk, but none of us are going to get very drunk. Yeah. And the women are certainly not going to get drunk. Okay. The women do not drink. At my dad's generation, women hang out with each other, chat to each other, cook the food... Uh, have a lovely evening. Yeah. One thing they don't do is get drunk. My, um, and my sister, who is a drinker, my dad still has very s- patriarchal, sexist attitudes towards. Oh really? Even though he drinks more than my sister, even yeah. though he drinks more than my sister, my dad has, still has some fairly patriarchal views on, on the role of alcohol in, in, in women. And it's a joyous, it's a joyous thing to watch. You know, when my dad. As a, a big evening around at his house, it's 
it's a life-affirming thing to see eight or ten people that have all known each other since the 1950s or 60s yeah. sat around enjoying a Chivas Regal. I mean, you know, who's going to stop them now? I mean, that was kind of the point of the joke, is am I, am I still alive, get, get me a whiskey now? <laughs> is, what's the point now? Yeah. This My dad is 78. What's the point of him cutting back on his alcohol now? Yeah. This, he, he needs, you know... He's had so many health problems and he's got through them, and now it's, it's, it's time to cash in and enjoy yeah. it and, and, and enjoy what's enjoy what's left. Yeah, he's got two grandchildren, but the amount of time that he spends with his grandchildren isn't dependent now on how much whiskey he has. And, he's, and I must stress, he's never been a heavy drinker. He's just he's always been a drinker. He's always someone for whom whiskey is an absolutely essential part of a night in rather yeah. than a night out. Bengal is very much about the night in. Is it intrinsically linked to food as well? Like oh, absolutely. To see that yeah, with yeah. Other Abs- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Food, food is the very you know, be, be all and end all of, of, of social gathering. When I was a teenager, until about 1991, when I was 21, we used to go to a medical school reunion for my dad uh, on an August bank holiday weekend. Go pick a hotel somewhere and, the, and it used to be a massive thing and of course so many of my dad's friends are now passed away it's not it's not a massive thing anymore but it used to be a massive thing and all the male doctors would just not not wreck the joint yeah. but be in the best way a disgrace yeah. On, yeah. on a Saturday night and it was just really funny as teenagers watching watching Bengali dads just loudly singing folk songs at the top of their voice and shouting at each other and just being what I, what I would call agreeably drunk. Yeah, see, I have to say that's something that I do genuinely feel like I'm, I, I've missed out on in that when I talk to people and they tell me funny stories about oh, the one time they saw their dad really drunk and go, you know, the time their mum got tipsy and did that. And I'm like, oh, I don't, yeah. See, I, I don't think in all my life I've got any anecdotes yeah. about my mum that fall into that category. Yeah, whereas, like I said, my, my, my dad was drunk all the time so yeah. it didn't it lost the innocent and fun thing that you get yeah. with like stories because stories in which people are drunk and do stupid things are mostly hilarious yeah mostly I mean to be honest that's been about 95% of this podcast so far <laughs> people just going oh my god I did this is well, what I, I got you know, so I, I just think about it all the time when my guard was down or I, I mean I've misjudged I, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm someone who's misjudged his drinking Again and again and again, and now I can't really afford to because yeah. I'm, I'm on telly and I've got to get it right. Yeah, I've got, otherwise I'm going to be in the in the papers as the guy who misjudges his drinking. Yeah, and I can't really afford to. But I've got little havens, little places that I go in Liverpool and, and elsewhere where I can just be that happy drunk. Yeah, and it, and and, it, and it's and it's fine, unless my health says otherwise. I'm never going to stop getting drunk. But it's very telling that at the Edinburgh Festival last year, there's no doubt I got drunk far fewer, far fewer occasions yeah. than I usually do. And then right at the end, on the last Saturday, there was a benefit gig for the uh, for Amnesty International yeah. at the Playhouse Theatre, uh, and they had a free bar afterwards, and that was that. I, <laughs> I you know, free bar. Yeah, they're the magic words, aren't they? Really? Just, just, just let me at it. Yeah. I always think, oh, I won't take advantage, and then you're like, oh, you know what, I probably will. Yeah. I always go to things that um, have a free bar, and then I, like you say, no pacing. 
within the first hour. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go home now. I yeah, guess. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that I've massively improved in my life. I, there were quite a few years when I was quite down about what a bad drunk that I was. I was, I was as I said, spoiling people's evenings again and again and again. And now, as I said, so many different things have changed. I've matured. I'm able to take a little bit of a detached step back and be scientific about how I drink. Yeah. To plan when and where I drink. That's not to say I don't get it wrong from time to time. Yeah. But far less frequently than I used to. And I think a lot of people who are very good friends of mine never knew me when I was the bad drunk. Yeah. And are quite surprised as when, when, when I tell them when I tell them about it. Well, comedy, it's it's not it's not as boozy as everyone thinks it is. I I no. think nowadays. But I mean, you've been doing comedy for a while. I mean, presumably there was a point where it was really boozy. But outside of the Edinburgh Festival, it's hard for me to pinpoint times when alcohol was the characteristic yeah. aspect. People have homes to get to now. Yeah. Uh, things to do. Netflix I, th- to watch. I think that's one of the things is that uh, alternatives. There are so many alternatives yeah. to what you can do now. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. But also the club scene has dwindled, and those those gigs you do where you're away for a weekend, you'd often do your gig on a Friday, yeah. get really really drunk, and then on Saturday sober up, go for lunch somewhere. Those weekends I don't I don't do anymore. So usually when I'm drinking after a gig I'm just with Ollie, Ollie my fiance I'm not, with, I'm not yeah. with other comedians because yeah. when I do club gigs I tend to just go home now so I mean I don't do club comedy as much as I used to but Edinburgh's interesting I think because increasingly Edinburgh's like for me is a holiday with people I don't necessarily see yeah. through, through, the, through the year and the first time I did it in 2001 I was working 20 minutes a day doing the Big Value Comedy Show yeah. at, at what was then the was then located at the Cafe Royal, and I wasn't doing any extra gigs. I wasn't I wasn't trying to I, w- I wasn't trying to make a name for myself. I was just trying to have the best month that I could possibly have. Yeah. Drunk pretty much every night. Pretty much. I mean, not far off. Yeah, I did. I did one run because I used to do stand up. I did one run, 2008, and I pretty much was drunk every every day and we had a late show so we didn't finish till about 11 no. and then you went out yeah. and then it'd be three four o'clock in the morning and then you would sleep all day and that became like wow this is actually genuinely unhealthy lifestyle i haven't eaten a vegetable in weeks yeah. i haven't really seen much daylight in in weeks and i have drunk and spent an inordinate amount of money. Well, my tactic is very different now with Edinburgh, which is work out when your friends are coming up to see yeah. you and save yourself for them. Yeah. That's, that's, if my friends come up to see me, that's when I want to get drunk. So uh, it's very noticeable that I get drunk much less each time I go, go up. And that's good. Not least because my, I'm get, as I get, you know, my first Edinburgh was 31. I am now 48. And the recovery time is not what it used to be. Have you got any tips for getting over a hangover? Only to have a fair chunk of time between your last drink and going to bed, so that your body, okay. so that your body has already started the breakdown process by the time you get to bed. If you plan to go to bed at two or three, stop drinking at midnight, half past midnight, and just give your give your body an hour and a half, yeah. hour and a half head start. 
uh, and drink and drink lots of water before you go to bed yeah. as well. Other than that, just pace yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's I I I don't think there's anything wrong with alcohol. I think what's wrong is the way we're actively encouraged to take a very dysfunctional yeah. attitude to how we take it. Oh, I I agree, and this is kind of the whole point of this was that I. Once you start talking about it, it's really difficult because almost immediately people's backs go up and they feel like they're being preached at. And you're like, I, I am not in a position to preach. I get drunk as much as the next person. However, on the other hand, having yeah. seen the damage of it, I, just, I think it's quite... Well, I think fundamentally we're all in it for the same reason. And that yeah. reason is to hit that magic moment. Yeah. That magic moment where you're on top of the world, you, that you feel, you feel that you're being... The person that you secretly want to yeah. be when you're stone cold sober, yeah, and that's what we're all trying to get to. Yeah, that's and the so, point at so, which you're going. Hey, let's all go on holiday together. Yeah, and I've I've been that person, and in fact, one of my Edinburgh shows was very much about that magic moment. It was about a holiday that a load of us went to in uh, Las Vegas in 2003. There was uh, ten of us, uh, and we just kept arguing every night until. The, until the night that we went to a nightclub and the queues at the bar were so long that we had to pace ourselves. Yeah. And suddenly we yeah. just had the we just had the best the best night. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Because um, they give you a load of free drinks in Vegas, don't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah. That's the point, they're trying to get you drunk, aren't they? Yeah. So you start spending the money. It's just simply it's, it's so it's simple when you look yeah. at it. And as, as somebody with a medical background, it should be easy for me to, to work out yes. how to get it right. Um, and yet, I still get it wrong from time to time, just not as frequently as, yeah. as I used to. Paul, are you going to Edinburgh this year? Are you, yes. You are? Yes. Can you tell us anything about it, or is that a long way off? I th- I th- this year being the year that I'm getting married, I'm going to do a show, interestingly, looking back on the weddings and stags and and marriages that I've witnessed with my own eyes. It's a sort of short history of everyone else's... I mean, I've I've been a best man three times. Oh, really? I've been to a wedding where, in Calcutta, where the father of the bride was dead on a slab by the time we got there. Um, I don't know why I'm laughing at the (laughs) So I, I just feel that as an out, as someone who's already been an, outs, always yeah. been an outsider on other people's weddings. I've never um, been married and I always get that thing at weddings where people get drunk and say to me, oh, why have you never married? And it's so boring to have the same conversation yeah. over and over again that I find it's just easier to be drunk at weddings. Well, I love weddings. I'm obsessed with them. I, the, the, the weddings and stags. Yeah. I'm obsessed with the dynamics, how they work and... I've not been on a stag for quite a long time, but the thing that I noticed is it's always the one who's married with kids that you got to watch out for. Yeah. Because they are stupidly excited <laughs> to be away for a weekend. Yeah. And it's always them that pace it wrong. They've got mad stag dudes recently. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember asking my dad, you know, what he did for his stag do, and he said, oh, he and his, he and his brothers went to the pub the night before. That yeah. That's literally it. 
And uh, I was speaking to um, my cousin the other day. He was having a grumble because he's being expected to go to New York on this acting. New York. I turned down Las Vegas for exactly the same reason. Yeah. Like, you won't get a holiday this year if you go do that on a holiday. But, but also, I only knew two people. The one in Las Vegas, I only knew the groom and his brother. I'm not spending all that money to go somewhere unless, I'm, unless I know every, pretty yeah. much everybody. Yeah, it's, it's really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it should just be about food and drink. Yeah. All this activity nonsense. Yeah. That said, one of the stag weekends I organised, we, we were powerboat racing on the English Channel. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not drinking at the same time. No, 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 it's on <laughs> Saturday morning. I've only ever been to one Hendu. One. I didn't... I didn't. I don't know, it's not the sort of thing I get invited to. To be honest, I don't seem to have the sort of friends that have really had Hindus, to be honest. No. But I've, I've always felt really affronted by the fact that my male friends haven't invited me to their stag do's. Oh, right. Yeah, because I think, you know, well, really what them. I... And, they, and they're not the sort of blokes to go to strip clubs, so really it's just I am yeah. being excluded on the basis that I don't have a penis really well I'm not having one because I've just got too many male friends and I can't invite them all oh, so okay. it's just pointless <laughs> yeah but, but also I just want them to come to the wedding I don't want to put two dates in front of yeah in front of my friends yeah that's a busy, good point busy people yeah is the chase currently on are you filming yeah okay. absolutely it is yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it all, it's always on it's all pretty much we're five days a week but we're repeated ad infinitum on Challenge TV on Saturdays on Sundays we're we're doing all right. I like challenge. When my dad was really poorly, my brother and I seemed to spend a lot of time at two o'clock in the morning watching repeats of Bullseye, laughing at how absolutely dreadfully inappropriate and sexist most of the jokes everybody made on it were. Jim would say, oh, you've got a lady on your team, haven't you? And how the prizes are. I absolutely... I, I couldn't... I can't take my eyes off it when it's on the screen. Bulls it? Yeah, but it's, yeah. It's, it's a museum piece. Yeah. It's a museum piece Absolutely. of 1980s uh, Northern England. Yeah. Working work class Northern England. Yeah. Everything, everything about it. The best ones, if you can find one, are the really early ones before Tony... Oh, there was a pre-Tony era. Yeah. Jim Bowen had to do everything. He was run ragged. <laughs> what I haven't asked you is what your favourite is. What's oh, your... slug. Is it lager? Yeah, but nice lager. I'm, I'm not an expert. On, I'm not an expert on any aspect of booze, but I think the advantage of lager is that it takes quite a while to drink, yeah. and so it's a, it's a natural, it's a natural regulator. Although you are also in your forties now, mm. right? So surely, if you've been drinking lager, you have to get up and wait about three times in the night. No, I'm not that's what happens to me now. No. But the but other yeah. thing is, I think one of the reasons why the Europeans are much better than us. Is because they don't drink pints. They drink those five hundred. They drink those five hundred mil things. That, yeah, it's like know. the Aussies drink schooners, which are about three quarters of a pint. Yeah, I think the social. I think that social peer pressure makes us drink greater than what we're comfortable with. Yeah. Also, the round system. Yeah. How can you have a round system where where a guy who's six foot six and plays rugby every other week? is drinking exactly the same al- amount yeah. of alcohol as a little five-foot-four guy. It's, yeah. it's, it's the round system. Europe don't have that. Do they not? No. You, just, you, just you just do you. You just do you. Oh, that's interesting. Because the round system brings you into... Oh. Yeah. I so. mean, it's just... Sometimes you just walk in at completely the wrong time and you're like, 
Oh, I'm buying a joke for 20 people, am I? There's absolutely no chance I'm ever going to get all of these drinks no, back. No, no, no. Yeah. The, round, the round system is counterintuitive having a good night out, in my opinion. Just no, I, I agree. I just agree. make sure the, gro- the groom is included in every round, and that's, that's fine. <laughs> Quiz is quite a big influence on my drinking now. Yeah. Because there are specific events that I like. I can't get through that without getting drunk. <laughs> As, as, as in, you know, it's, it's a drinking occasion. Yeah. We have a quiz holiday now as well. Oh, do you? In, in, in Rhodes every May. And I think I got drunk five nights out of seven last May. But that's, that, I mentioned that in the um, Five show. nights out of seven? I mentioned that. That was one of the things about wanting to uh, yeah. get my diabetes into remission yeah. in time for the holiday to Rhodes. <laughs> oh, dear. It's really, really hard not to. Yeah. Because you're with people that you absolutely, whose company you absolutely cherish, and you're abroad and it's sunny. Yeah. And you're all having fun. And if it, yeah, if you're not hurting anyone, I mean, it's, I very much doubt it goes like, you know, like the England, the England quiz team doesn't go like the England football team. No. <laughs> that it turns into carnage. I do sometimes wonder, like, what other nations make of us when we turn up at holiday resorts and just go crazy. I was on a stag weekend in Barcelona a few years ago well it's a few years ago it's lost 70, 15 years ago and we were all Asian and one of them on the first night we'd been on Las Ramblas for about 45 minutes before one of them annoyed the other one so much that the other guy tried to pour chuck a glass his pint of beer over him except he didn't he missed and it went all over a German tourist on the next table and the German tourist just looked at seven or eight Asian guys just went you English are so stupid (laughs) (laughs) you just saw it you just saw seven Asian guys that knew they had to be English because of the stupidity of their stupidity of their behaviour but yeah my my life is now trying to ride that out of town adventure way yeah yeah I mean the other great thing about the north is yeah, I mean, it's a lot cheaper to drink up there than it is yeah. down here, which is quite something. I mean, I live in Cambridge, it's pretty pricey to drink in Cambridge, but... You live in Cambridge? I do, okay. yeah. Um, That's not one of my favourite drinking cities, it has to be said. To be honest... It's a town and gown is hard. Yeah. I was with a mate of mine, um, we went to the pub the other day, and both of us were actually commenting what a long time it had been since we'd been in a pub in town. And almost immediately, we were like, oh, this is why. <laughs> Are you <laughs> from Cambridge? drunk students everywhere. No, I'm originally from uh, Newport Pagnell, which oh, okay. is, uh, you probably will know, is the first motor service station yeah. built in the country. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't drunk in Cambridge for a long time, but we went to a nightclub called Fifth Avenue sometime in the 1990s. Or, oh, yeah, that was in the Grafton Centre. Basically in a shopping centre yeah. at a nightclub, yeah. Yeah, I've been there about well, nearly 20 years, and I do like it, but I, I never go out in town anymore. And actually, I'm hoping to try and get one of the guys from the NUS to talk about it. Drinking culture at universities is really interesting, because Cambridge has old-fashioned drinking societies, yeah. in which they all behave unbelievably badly and borderline dangerously. Yeah. And yet it's all, well, it's just tradition, isn't it? We've been doing this for hundreds of years. That's not a good enough answer anymore. No, I don't think so. Not with 18... You're, you're playing with the lives of 18-year-olds. Yeah. Who, but particularly when you get into the elements as well, that it's 
girls when they are that drunk. You know, yeah. it's pretty de- it's you, pretty easy to find yourself, you know, being sexually no, assaulted and it put on YouTube or whatever. That I have no, I have no idea whether it's still the case. But in the first week of freshers is the rugby AGM, and so you always rugby society AGM. Yeah, and so you always get these poor. 18 year old guys I think they've got to go to the rugby gym to try yeah. and get to the rugby team and they're just bombarded with alcohol and one of them's usually wandering around naked in the bar and it's their first week and, yeah. that's, and that's what that's, that's what they'll be remembered that's forever that's what they'll be yeah. remembered for forever yeah. now this has been really interesting I feel like we need to end on a quiz because you're here so I just googled and it's likely incorrect do you know in litres per capita which country has the highest level of drinking Ooh. I'll, I'll take one of two answers because I actually found one of two answers on the internet. I don't, but I'm going to guess Finland. Oh, Finland was in the top ten. Uh, well, according to the OECD, it's Lithuania. Oh, that was going to be my first. <laughs> I was thinking one of the Baltic states. Yeah, yeah, and then according to another survey, I saw it said Belarus. I wouldn't have got Belarus. No, I, I wouldn't. Thank you so much. For no worries. Honestly, it's my obsession. I don't. I mean, I don't honestly think there's any Edinburgh show that I've had that hasn't had booze as a theme. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 